You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture that Jeff will be reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and you will remember that we find the story of the birth of Jesus both in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, we read about um, Mary's call and her call to be the mother of Jesus. We have in the Gospel of Luke the stories of the shepherds and the stable and the angels. In the Gospel of Matthew, this is where we have the story of the call of Joseph. And we have also, um, that's where we have the story of the wise men. We just put them all together in the same nativity. Um, In the Gospel of Matthew, it begins with the lineage of Jesus. And that's where we get that phrase, a shoot shall come out of the uh, tree of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, and Joseph is his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married, which at that time was a legal contract. They were engaged to be married, which really meant that they were already married. It was a legal contract, and to break that um, was pretty big. And so we read about how Joseph was going to dismiss Mary quietly, and the reason for that, of course, was that because she was pregnant with someone else's child, uh, she could be subject for stoning, killing, for all of that. But he wanted to protect her still. And then, of course, the angel came to him in a dream. And we find dreams in Matthew. We find dreams in the Old Testament. And Matthew being that Hebrew gospel, um, of course, it comes in a dream. The scripture is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a child and he named him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all of our hearts. Be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know if you noticed this when the picture of Joseph was up on the screen or even just looking at the Joseph here, but you'll notice that his left hand is like this. It's empty. It's as if there's something that's supposed to be there. Perhaps it's a staff or maybe it's a lantern. I think it's probably likely that it's a staff, but in the nativity that I grew up with, that Joseph held a lantern. And so in my mind, that's what should be in his hand. He was holding a lantern. I suppose it's poignant today then that Joseph's hand is empty because this week it has been hard to see the light. In the church office, we first learned of the active shooter at Oxford before anything was reported on the news from a high school student whose father is on staff. Surely it was just a scare. We were sitting and talking and and, uh, learned of this news and thought, okay, well, you know, my kids have been in lockdown before, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just a scare. And then he repeated, there's an active shooter at Oxford. It wasn't a scare. It wasn't a drill. It was real life. It was real close, real personal, real dark. And as we waited for news, as we waited in fear and held our children tight, as we sat in our grief and disbelief, it was dark. And then the stories from our congregation. My child goes to Oxford. I taught one of the girls who was killed. My son is a teacher at Oxford. I teach in Oxford. We live in Oxford. My grandchildren are in Oxford schools. Hey, Amy, remember my friend who worked with us at Big Boy our senior year of high school? She's a teacher at Oxford and was shot through the arm. I still keep in touch with her. She's okay, physically. And then early Thursday morning, we received word that the schools were closed out of of an abundance of caution. And the cloud of grief and fear and anger and uncertainty got darker as we heard and saw what our kids were seeing on social media and how scared they were by the threats. My kids have always celebrated surprise day off from school until Thursday. No one wants school to be canceled for this. It has been a week of darkness and it has been hard to see the light. No wonder Joseph's hand is empty. Reverend Warren Hoffman wrote in the Argus Leader, I want the light to arrive and to win. And I want it to win big. I mean, I want the light to deal with the darkness that, in a way that is so overwhelming, so completely devastating, that I can switch channels at halftime because there's no possible way that the darkness is even going to come out of the locker room to play the third quarter. 
Isn't that what you want? Don't we all want that? To see the light, to feel the light, and to have it fill you, to fill us with hope? It can all feel so pointless. We know the end of the Advent story. It's Christmas. God came into the world, and it was glorious and wonderful and even magical. And we love that celebration and the reminder that God is with us and that the light came into the world. But we know the reality is that God's coming didn't fix everything. God came and the light shines. It's not extinguished, but it doesn't obliterate the darkness either. I wish that we could hang our hopes on Christ coming and obliterating the darkness. It sure would make our lives easier and our hearts fuller. But like the Hebrew people who called out for a Savior, we call out, save us from this harm, save us from poor mental health, save us from too easily accessible guns, save us from social media threats and instigators, save us from our fear, save us from the darkness, save us. Yes, it's appropriate that Joseph has no lantern, and yet... Joseph lights the way. In a world of darkness, he was called, called to be the earthly father of Jesus, called to stay a woman, with a woman who was carrying a child that wasn't his, called to be the father of the Son of God. He didn't have to. Everything in his community would have told him not to, but he didn't reject Mary. He got on board. He listened to the angel and rejected religious law, and he stuck by Mary. He embraced her. He chose to follow God's call, and he paved the way for Jesus, giving him legitimacy culturally and religiously, Because of Joseph, Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, and we are here. He lit the way so that the light would come into a world that was broken, that was hurting, into a world facing violence and pain. And today we wonder, where is the light? Where is God? Where is God now? Hoffman said, God enters into the darkness to sit alongside us. God refuses to dwell in the heavens from above, from a safe distance, and watch the drama of human life play out. Instead, God climbs right into the darkest places to be with us, And in that holy and luminous action, we find reason and hope. When we find reason and hope, we glimpse the light. 
We've seen the light in the students and kids who were quick thinking and quick acting, in the first responders who give so tirelessly, in the community coming together and the vigils and all the resources that are being made possible for the Oxford people, in the wisdom of our school superintendents to close school for two days so that the Oakland County Sheriff's Office can do the work that is needed to ensure that our children are safe also giving all of us a needed break and some downtime. We see it in teachers who care for children and worry for them and hope and pray that they are okay and put their children's safety first. We see it in churches across the country. I received a message from... um, My friend Ailey, who I went to seminary with, who lives in Washington, she said, what can my church do for your church? I said, well, on Thursday we're praying. Pray with us. We see it in the coming together and being the church, in the reaching out, in night of blessings where we help others. All of this is God's light shining in the midst of the awful, All of this is the light streaming through the darkness, breaking in, giving hope. That's what the light does. It gives hope. Our task is to remember that no matter how dark it may get, there is always hope. You remember those words from Scripture, from the Gospel of John, the ones that we read on Christmas Eve before we light our candles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. God sends the light, and that light won't go out, and we are not alone. That is our hope. Reverend Adam Hamilton was the uh, preacher at the 2013 National Prayer Breakfast. And he ended his sermon with a story about Reverend Bill Kiles and Dr. Martin Luther King. He'd heard an interview with Dr. Kiles on NPR. Reverend Kiles was on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel with, when Dr. King died. The interviewer asked Reverend Kiles what he'd be preaching that weekend. And Reverend Kiles responded, I'll be telling the old story told about Robert Louis Stevenson. Stevenson, the 19th century author, once told how, as a boy, he'd been sitting in the window, nose pressed against the glass, in rapt attention as the lamplighter came to light the gas street lamps. Climbing up and down the ladder in the darkness, he would light one street light after another. It was fascinating for a little boy to see this sight. And so as his father walked in his room and saw how intently he was looking out the window, he asked, son, what are you doing? What are you looking at? 
To which the young Stevenson replied, Father, I'm watching the man out there knock holes in the darkness. Jesus comes to us. Jesus comes into the world to knock holes in the darkness. Holes that give hope. Holes that remind us how loved we are and that we are not alone. When we feel frightened and lonely and grief-stricken, when everything around us is crumbling and the world is full of darkness that threatens to destroy us, God punches holes in the darkness. Holes in the darkness for the light to shine. The light of the world cannot be distinguished no matter how dark it may feel. Christ comes to be with us in the dark, giving us light and hope and love. And as those who know the light, we are called to share it. Even when we're scared, even when we're lonely, even when we're sad, we are called to be the light of the world and punch holes in the darkness. So the world, we become lighter, and hope and love will be our way because we know that we are not alone ever and that there is always hope. We just have to look for the light. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.